stars of the new movie Grown Ups in theaters June 25th. Here's Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Yeah. Thank you. This one. Come on, this is for the troops overseas. Gentlemen. you know sometimes you you got to do it uh the best you can and, and that's what we're doing this week so if the quality of this podcast is not up to par as what we usually do we do apologize but you know when life gives you lemons you make lemonade yep speaking of which when life gives ryan blaney a fifth to place car sometimes he can turn it into a winning car which that's exactly what he was able to do sunday at michigan where he pulled off his second win of the season, the first time in his entire Cup Series career, he's won multiple races in the same season. Yeah, it's funny you say that, you know, having a fifth-place car and taking it to victory lane, because I feel like that's the way most, if not all, of his his wins in his career have been, you know? I mean, it's not like – I mean, look, he's, he's, he, he brings a great car to the track every week. He, he, rides, sure. he drives for Penske. But, sure. you know – it was he was never he was never a player until that final restart on Sunday and and you know chose the you know the choose line really um, the choose tone really uh, came into effect he chose to take the bottom got a great push from Kyle Busch and the rest is history. I saw a pretty wild stat after Sunday's race that of all of Blaney's career wins, I think he's led like a total of like 157 laps between all those wins combined, which is. An astonishing stat. Yeah, it's not much at all. And like I said, it's just one of those where, you know, he just – he always finds a way to keep himself around at the end of several races. And, and look, when there's, you know, an opportunity to capitalize, he usually does. Sure. Now, the story of Sunday's race was the fact that, once again, for a downforce race, the 550 package, Israel Motorsports dominated once again, so – Chase Elliott led a bunch of laps. Kyle Larson led a bunch of laps. And up until those final couple restarts, it looked like it was going to be William Byron bringing home the win. But as we talk about with these type of races every single time, once you get stuck in that dirty air behind the leader, it's virtually impossible to pass. And it didn't matter how fast those hinder cars were, nobody was going to be able to get by Ryan Blake the last couple laps because he had the clean air. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, clean air proved to be huge again. I did think the Hendrick, and you know, I'm I'm sure they'll they'll talk about it in in their post race debrief this week and team meetings. But I really thought that they could have worked together to have generated a better run on Blaney. Um, sure. But you know, I, I mean, look, like you said, clean air is king, and and you know, you, you're able to manipulate it 
and Blaney did a good job of that and was able to, um, you know, parlay it into another win. And that being said, and I think Michigan is one of the worst tracks when it comes to clean air being king and not being able to pass the leader, this still turned out to be a really entertaining race at the end of the day. And I saw that Jeff Glove's good race poll was something like 77%, which is, I think, the second highest Michigan race since he started doing the poll in 2016. And maybe it's us falling victim to the fact that the leaders were close together the entire race, but I don't know about you. My heart was pounding those last 10 laps, kind of wondering what was going to happen up at the front. Yeah, those last 10 laps were were some of the best consecutive laps we've seen, in my opinion, we've seen at Michigan in a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was obviously you bunched them up um, for the restart and and was able to really, you know, get everybody back in in tow of one another. And and it was was a chaotic last 10 laps, you know. To me, it almost kind of simulated a a mini – super speedway race which i think that was kind of what the intention was for a place like michigan when they went to this rules package back in 2019 and it's been kind of hit or miss you know i think the first time we went there it was like overcast conditions and we saw kind of that like pack style racing and then we saw it again on sunday so it hasn't worked every single time and we'll see what the difference is with the next gen car but you know if michigan turned into a a a semi super speedway type of race I wouldn't be mad at that because it is a track where you can run wide open. You can run really close together. So, I don't know. Maybe they're on to something there. Yeah, and I don't know. I haven't really heard many people talk about it, but obviously this past weekend they used the resin compound that they used at Nashville rather than the, the PJ1. So, I don't know if that played a role into it. I, I mean, the you know, it's one of those I think that maybe it was just a better racing conditions. I don't know, but – um, yeah, I was. I didn't have high expectations for the race, but I thought it was. A, I thought it was really solid. I'll say this: I don't think the resin made the that second groove dominant by any means. But I feel like it was. I feel like it got used more than the PJ one did, which you know that's a step in the right direction, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely a step in the right direction. Um. So, yeah, I mean, and it allowed some variety, especially on those restarts. Now, the the bottom line was definitely dominant. But you saw some guys using the resin and and making some moves and stuff within the pack. And that's another thing about, you know, for as much as we complain about not being able to pass the leader, the passing of the packs at these type of races is usually pretty good, um, especially on the restarts. And I think we saw that again on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, that's the thing is – Look, this package has deficiencies. We know that. We, you know, we don't have to, you know, talk about that for forever. But, you know, it, look, it's just one of those. You, you've, you've got what you got right now, and until the new car comes in next year, and, you know, you just got to deal with what you got. You know, I keep thinking to myself that we're going to go to one of these 550 races, and we're not going to spend half the podcast talking about the rules package. But it seems like it, it rears its ugly head at each and every time. It really does. I mean, it really does. Um, but I don't know. You know, there's only three more 550 races the rest of the season. Of course, they're all in the playoffs. You're going to go to Kansas. Or you're going to go to Vegas, Kansas, and then Texas. Um, but kind of the, the outlook, you know, you have 11 races to go. Only three of those are going to be a 550 track. So I think NASCAR 
did a pretty good job this season in balancing the schedule where, you know, 550 tracks were not the overwhelming majority that they've been in years past. Right. So, you know, make it that what you will. And again, once we get the next-gen car, no matter what the horsepower is going to be, I don't think I don't think you're going to be able to make a comparison between the two in terms of how they rate the track like this. Right. Right. Um, another big storyline that went into Sunday was the playoff uh, bubble, which was between the two RCR teammates of Tyler Rickard and uh, Austin Dillon. And, of course, last week, those two guys were close together the entire race, so the playoff cut line battle was relatively close coming out of it. And it looked like Austin Dillon was going to capitalize and have a really great day, show a lot of speed earlier in the race. It looks like he was setting himself up for no worse than a top 10 run, which given how Tyler Reddick was kind of hanging around 10 to 15, to 15 it looks like he was going to be able to gain a lot. And then the end of stage two happens, and he goes head on into the wall and ends his day, and now finds himself still over 20 points out heading into Daytona. Yeah, I mean, going into I mean, what you could argue is the biggest wild card of the entire regular season, which is the finale now at Daytona. Um, you know, he's going to – he finds himself 25 points below the cut line, and it's to his teammate, which I, I think is just weird in and of itself. And that, that's what's, you know, disappointing is, is with you know, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't wreck, like you said, he's probably for sure, barring something crazy, um, on his way to a top-10 finish. And he's, I mean, he may, he may actually be in the playoffs at the end of the, you, you know, you don't know. I don't know where he finished, but I don't know. It's just one of those where um, I understand it was a racing deal, you know, with air quotes around it. I, I don't think either driver should be at fault completely. Um, I, I think he and Keselowski just, you know, I think he came up too quick. I don't think Keselowski gave him enough room. Um, after crossing the start-finish line, but you know what? Um, chalk it up to racing, and, and he's essentially, he's not in a definite, but he's essentially in a must-win this weekend at Daytona. No, and, and I agree that the situation is kind of part blame on both of these guys. Um, and in a weird way, going into day, I, I this may sound weird, but I, I honestly, I think I'd rather go into Daytona in Austin Dillon's position knowing, hey, I'm 20-plus points out. My really only option is here to go and win, as opposed to Tyler Reddick, who, I mean, yeah, you can go into Daytona with a win-or-nothing mindset, but at the same time, you have to be thinking defensively, too. Like, okay, I got to mind my P's and Q's here. I can't get caught up in a big wreck. I got to get stage points. I got to, like, mind my manners so I can at very least point my way in. I don't know. I I think I'd rather go in with just a win-or-nothing mindset. I agree. I, I mean, because that's the thing is, I was even, you know, we've got, we've kind of got two different battles going on, um, you know, with, um, with this final race in Daytona. You've obviously got the playoff cut line battle, and you've also got the regular season points battle between Denny Hamlin and, and Kyle Larson. And that's the yep. thing is, I think, of all of those, I mean, you look at, you look at Austin Dillon, and like you said, he's pretty much, he pretty much needs to win. Could Reddick. Could Reddick wreck out and Austin Dillon point himself in? Yes, 100%. But, right. you know, he he definitely just needs to go out there and win. And I think it makes – what I'm interested to see, obviously they're teammates. 
You know, if if yep. he's pushing, and, and we know that we know they run well at Daytona. Um, so I'll be interested to see. You know, would Austin dump his teammate, wreck him to get in the playoffs? You know, if it came down to the last lap or something, I think he would. Well, um, and, and that's going to be interesting. I'll be interested to see if that happens. Well, in 2018, you could have asked the question, would Austin Dillon turn the leader to win the Daytona 500? And the answer to that question was yes. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's gonna be interesting for sure. I mean, because there's just there's just one of those where, you know, with with Reddick, I mean, sure, you want to run well and, and you want to collect stage points to try to give yourself as big a buffer as possible, but you don't at the same time you don't want to put yourself in harm's way. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Watch. And look, they're both good super speedway racers. I think. And, look, the big one's the X factor. If they can both keep their noses clean, I think both of them are in contention for the win at the very end of the race. And, like we said, if Austin Dillon does not win and Tyler Reddick does not win, Reddick will get in on the points, assuming we don't have a new winner. Um, right. So, yeah, I'd kind of much rather be in Dillon's position where I know, look, it's either win or nothing at this point. I wouldn't want to be – I don't want to be having the points race at Daytona with this kind of – No, it's it's too big of a question mark to try to do that. Well, and coupled with the fact that there's, you know, 10 some odd other guys that are good super speedway racers that also know their only option is to win at Daytona to get in the playoffs. So, you know, it, it's going to be a free-for-all, which, again, is what making this the last race of the regular season was intended to do, and we're going to get that on Saturday night. Right. I don't know. It, it's going to be wild. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I know we, we talked about it a little bit last week about how the last race of the season is now at Daytona. It's not the 4th of July, blah, blah, blah. But last year's race was just chaotic. And I think you could argue this season's race could be even more chaotic. So um, I'll be, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I'm excited for it. I, I'm not even going to lie. I'm ready for Saturday night. From an entertainment standpoint, in the in the era of stage racing, at least, I challenge you to find me any more entertaining stage in a race than the final stage of last year's Daytona season finale. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if you could. I mean, may, maybe a maybe just a championship race because of all that's on the line, or um, a, a cutoff race in the playoffs, that final stage. But no, I, I mean, it's just you know that's the thing is is, is if. You know, you don't get in the playoffs. You don't give yourself an opportunity to win a championship. And Absolutely. you know, there, there's so many, there's so many teams that, you know, will will try to deliver these knockout blows Saturday night to get into the playoffs. I mean, because, um, you know, you look at a guy like Michael McDowell and what he did earlier this year. They, they, they don't. I, mean, I, I was about to say they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They do deserve to be in the playoffs. They are not a team that you ever thought would be in the playoffs. And it's like. Could that be somebody this weekend? I mean, I look at – this isn't my pick. Uh, we'll get to that later. But, you know, I look at a guy like Daniel Suarez. What if he went out there and won? You yeah. know, I, I, it's just there's so many guys that I think have the opportunity. And, oh, we haven't even talked about the fact that they've kind of got a new um, package that they're going to run this weekend. So it, it, there's a lot going on to – a lot going into this um, race this weekend. 
No, that, that, that's certainly going to be an X factor. And, you know, I, I look at a guy like Michael McDowell, a guy like Eric Almarola, the chances of winning the championship pretty low. Now, now I think Christopher Bell has at least a, a decent chance, given the fact that he's on uh, Joe Gibbs and they're running better as of late. But, yeah, those guys like McDowell and Eric Almarola, I think I think those guys are viewing Saturday night. And, again, they're both good super speedway races, and obviously both have won at Daytona. I think those guys have to view Saturday night as an opportunity to prolong their playoff life. Okay, if you go out there yeah. and you win on Saturday, you pick up five more playoff points, that could be the difference between making the round of 12 and getting eliminated in the first round. So, again, I don't pencil any of these guys in as, as, as championship contenders, but that might be the difference between making the second round and not making the second round. Right. So, to me at least. Um, backing up to this past Sunday once again, though, at Michigan, Chase Elliott had a great call. He had a lot of laps, and again, he's with Team Hendricks, so they were all fast. And then a very questionable decision late in the race for Alan Gustafson to bring him down to pit and losing all that track position, relegating him back to, I think, 14th. So this isn't the first time we've seen Gustafson do this, and, sat, and Sunday was definitely another head-scratcher. Well, it's just it didn't make any kind of sense when he did it. I mean, we saw all day that, um, you know, track position meant more than a fresh set of tires. Um, and the fact that you you took a race winning car out of the equation and just mired it back in the you know mid teens that just it didn't make much sense. Now I will say this: I have heard some possible defense of this move that maybe Elliot had loose lug nuts and they didn't want to take the chance of losing Alan Gustafson for the Daytona race. If that's the case, I understand but we don't have hard proof that that's exactly what happened. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. I just think, at worst, Chase Elliott was going to finish in the top five, and I think you threw that out the window. And if it is anything other than definitely lug nuts, I think think you made a mistake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um... Going back to Ryan Blaney as the winner, I don't think the the significance of this can be stated enough because this has been a really bad year for Ford. This has been a really bad year for Team Penske. Now, again, all their drivers have gotten wins. But the last win was was, uh, Brad at Talladega back in April. They've gone that long without winning a race, and there was a lot of conversation coming into the season that they could potentially be the team that was – the most dominant this year, given how, you know, pretty well they ran as a team last year. Um, and they just haven't had it. Ford hasn't had it. Again, Eric Almarola wins a couple weeks ago at New Hampshire, but no other Stuart Haas cars have won. Again, uh, outside of Ryan Blaney, the other two Penske drivers just have the one win apiece. And then you have Michael McDowell winning at Daytona. It's been a relatively rough year for Ford, but, hey, if you're going to win anywhere as a manufacturer, Michigan's the place you want to do it. Yeah, and one one stat I saw um, earlier today on Twitter, NASCAR tweeted about it. This shocked me, but over the past eight races, Ryan Blaney has the best average finish of a little over seven. And that that I mean, I knew he'd been running well, but I didn't think he was better than literally everyone. Um, You know, it's you know, it's 
he's he's getting you know hot at the right time. You want to be running well going into the playoffs. And um, you know we talked a little bit earlier about the the points buffer going in. Look, he just added five more to the playoff bank. Yeah, um, and that's kind of one of those things too. I feel like Ryan Blaney could be one of those guys that really flies under the radar during the playoffs. It's not up there competing for wins every single week, but then you look around at the round of eight and say, wow, look, Ryan Blaney made it, and now he's got a shot race for a championship at Phoenix if he wins one of these races. Right. So, I don't know. I, you know, and we – I think we knew that the pairing of Todd Gordon and Ryan Blaney was going to work out the best out of all the shuffle at Team Penske. And, again, it's been not been a great year overall – like you said, they've got two wins, and they've been performing the best as of late. So, credit credit do uh, credit do with those guys. Yeah, they've they've definitely been the the flagship team for Penske. You know, of past several weeks, and even I mean, you could argue this year too. Speaking of Team Penske, before this past weekend's race at Michigan, there was a little bit of swap atop the uh, spotter stand because you had. Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski trading spotters. So now TJ Majors is with Brad Keselowski. Of course, they worked together back when uh, Brad Keselowski was with Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. And it really begs the question, could TJ Majors be following Brad Keselowski to Roush uh, next year? Well, some, some of the comments Brad made to the media on Sunday sounded like he was. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, a lot of people say that he's um, he's the, you know, number one spotter in NASCAR. And um, if so, that's a huge asset. And I'll be interested to see, you know, if that helps. Look, that may help Brad win a championship, that move. You know, it doesn't – from the surface, it doesn't seem major. But, look, when you, when you put it all the pieces together, it can be the difference between, you know, finishing uh, – first set or between first and second in the, in the championship race. So um, it'll be interesting to see how big of a, how big of an impact that has on the next 11 races uh, for Brad and for Joey too. And I think the timing of it's really interesting too, because we talked about Michigan being kind of a quasi super speedway race in a lot of ways where, where drafting and blocking come into play. And the fact that you get the Michigan race, a week before you go to Daytona, and again, TJ Majors might be the best super speedway spotter, certainly in NASCAR right now, maybe that there's ever been. So the fact that you get kind of a one-week warm-up at Michigan the week before you go to Daytona, I think I think the timing of this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely planned, that's for sure. So we'll be interested to see um, how all that works out. Anything else from this past weekend's race that really stood out to you that's worth uh, discussing? No, I, I mean, I think just the the one that just continued, I mean, I know Blaney stole the win there at the end, but the one that really just, Austin Dillon, that just, that was such a boneheaded move. I, I, and it could it could cost him a chance for to make the playoffs. So um, I will say the other thing that I thought was, was interesting um, was with the new um, – COVID protocols coming out for NASCAR. Yep. Um, you know, drivers aren't required to um, discuss their vaccina- vaccination status, and they shouldn't have to. Um, sure. But it's interesting to see with, you know, 
I'm going to be interested to see if they start adding, um, you know, if, if drivers start becoming a little bit more vocal. I know because um, Joey Logano said that he was vaccinated and, um, you know, he felt like with – because Corey LaJoy missed the race this weekend yep. um, because he was he was an, an unvaccinated, but he had been in close contact with someone that had tested positive. So, um, yep. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I, I all my head kept going to, you know, what happens if you get to the championship four and an unvaccinated driver tests positive for COVID or is exposed to somebody? Doesn't even test positive. I mean, do yeah. you add somebody else to the four or do you only race with three? So, um, well, I think that's something to watch going forward. I think the logical explanation would be to just add Jeff Gordon as the fifth playoff driver, because uh, of course that's how they. <laughs> For real, uh, <laughs> for real. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you brought that up. And um, from everything that's come out so far, the only two playoff drivers that have confirmed that they are vaccinated is Joey Logano and Tyler Reddick. And again, out of 16 drivers, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that every single driver that says it's a private matter, I don't want to discuss my status, is unvaccinated. But I'd be willing the best of overwhelming majority of playoff drivers probably aren't vaccinated right now. And if and if they're not, and if they're not, I bet they've really considered, you know, the consequences. Because Logano, the older Logano gets, I know he's still a young guy. He feels like he's, I mean, he has kind of been around for forever. But, um, you know, the older he gets, the, the wiser he is, I feel like. And he just says stuff that just, just really resonates with me anyways. But like, you know, what he said was, you know, I could, you know, I couldn't look at, you know, you're not only, you know, you win a championship, the sponsors, the, the amount of money that comes with that is, is unprecedented. And yeah. you look at, you know, he, like he said, you know, I couldn't look at my team in the face and be like, yeah, sorry, we couldn't compete for a championship because, you know, I didn't get vaccinated. So, um, it'll be interesting. And again, drivers don't have to disclose their vaccination status as they shouldn't have to. Um, but I wonder, I'm wondering if behind the scenes, more of them really begin to take a hard look at it. Well, and, and there was, um, it came out that a lot of the, that the drivers met with NASCAR and really tried to push them to make some kind of rule change that, okay, if you're unvaccinated and you're exposed, you're only out like I think three to five days. And I'll give credit to NASCAR here. They put their foot down and said, no, these are the rules we're working with, and if you don't want to comply to them, that's on you. So if you're if you're exposed to COVID and you're unvaccinated, you're out seven days, no questions asked. And that's unfortunately what ended up happening to Corey LaJoy this past weekend, and Josh Berry had to step in for it. Yeah. So, you know, again, a good for guys like Joe Ligano and Tyler Reddick for getting out in front of it and, you know, I'd really hate that the difference between somebody winning and losing a championship comes down to if you're vaccinated or not. But, again, NASCAR creates the rule book, and if you don't want to play within those parameters, the consequences are on you. Yep, yep. So it be interesting to see. And, and that's what I – that's what's going to add another level of drama to these playoffs is every single day – you can be on pins and needles like, oh, man, what if Chase Elliott's positive today and he's out for this weekend's race? Well, then he's eliminated. You know, that's just going to add another layer to the drama that the playoffs already bring. Right. So, definitely going to be interesting to see 
um, you know how all that plays out. Let's transfer over to the Xfinity Series now, and man, what a week, what a seven days, six days, I guess, for A.J. Allmendinger, he goes and wins his second cup race at the Indy Road Course, and then backs that up by going out there and winning at Michigan, and when you look at the variety of racetracks that Allmendinger has won at this year, I know it's kind of Austin-centric's world and everybody's living in it, but man, you got to really give a hard look to A.J. Allmendinger as a series championship threat now, having won at three completely different types of racetracks in Las Vegas, uh, Mid-Ohio, and now a two-mile Michigan track. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, and that's the thing, is, is he's just that steady veteran, so it's not surprising, but it's really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, man, talk about college racing firing on all cylinders. Now they've got a viable championship threat with, with uh, Allmendinger, Jeff, Jeff Burton's already won a race. Of course, they're going to be going to the Cup Series next year. Like, I can't think of a team that is doing anything more right top to bottom than Colleague Racing right now. No. No. Not at all. Um, the playoff cut line for the Xfinity Series, not very interesting right now. So, Riley Herbst holding on to that 12th spot with a pretty sizable margin. And as of right now, we don't know when – Michael Annette is going to be coming back because, once again, he had to sit out this past weekend. And, man, hats off to Josh Berry. What a week he had. He finds out he's going to be full-time in the Xfinity Series next year in the eight car. Gets asked to substitute for both Corey LaJoy and and uh, Michael Annette. And, man, let me tell you, if it weren't for some late restarts, I think Josh Berry, hands down, wins that race on Saturday for uh, JRN. Yeah, I, 100%. He, he had a great car. He had a great run. And, he continues to get better, and obviously the news is out that he's going to um, run full-time for JRM next year, and, you know, I, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do next year. No, absolutely, and I think, you know, I understand why Michael Annette is on JRM. He brings in the pilot Flying J Money, which, you know, if that money wasn't there, that one-car team would not exist. He brings right. a lot of money to the table that helps out the entire team, and from that standpoint, I understand. But, man, you just see what difference it makes when you put somebody really, really talented behind the wheel of that car, that they can go up there and, and, and make themselves a serious threat for the win. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really cool to see. Um, man, I, I just love the Xfinity Series so much. And, you know, for as much as we gripe about the the, the Cup Series rules package and the, the, the dirty air deficiencies at a place like Michigan – the Xfinity Series went out there and put on the show that we know that they put on week in and week out at these types of racetracks and had another fantastic race on Saturday. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of action in that race. So, there was also a lot of action in the Truck Series race on Friday night slash Saturday morning as they went to one of my favorite racetracks in Gateway and uh, – May not be, have been the best race, but it was definitely one that you're going to remember for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously the opening race of the playoffs for those guys, and Sheldon Creed was able to, to take home the win. But, um, man, I hope Gateway gets on the schedule for, for the Cup Series next year. Well, there, there's, a, there's a hot rumor out there that that could certainly be the case. We'll get to that in just a moment. But for Sheldon Creed – as far as a second, as far as the title defense is gone this year, 
look, he's been running well, but he's been playing second fiddle to John Hunter Nemechek the entire season. Nemechek had an off night on Friday night, and Sheldon Creed went out there and just flat dominated a gateway, and I think made a really big statement for the opening round of the playoffs, where now, of course, he's already in the second round. Right. So, um, and man, just talk about a litany of playoff drivers that had trouble. So, you had several get caught up in accidents. You had the big wreck there on the front stretch. John Hernimacek has been, by and large, the best truck series regular the entire season. I don't know what the problem was, but they didn't have it together on Friday night. No, they were they were off really bad. But, you know, with everybody's misfortunes, I mean, he's still got like a 55-point advantage on the playoff cut line. And when you're the regular season champion and you've already gotten several wins, that's literally what those bonus points are designed to do, allow you that mulligan in a round like the first round where even if you run bad, you really didn't lose that much of an advantage over the cut line. Right. So – He's still going to be in good shape. All right, on to the NASCAR news portion. And since we just talked about Gateway, I think it's worth mentioning that this came out from Adam Stern this past week, that NASCAR is entertaining the idea of adding some ovals to the schedule. And we'll go ahead and start off with the most obvious one, which is Gateway, a track that I've been waiting to get on the cup schedule for a long, long time, and I know you have too. It seems like there's some real serious conversation going on that St. Louis could finally get themselves a cup series race. I hope so. I, I mean, I, I love I love the races there that they have, and I hope that um, you know they're able to to work it out and um, you know hopefully get it on the schedule for next year. I don't think it's good that IndyCar is going to go back there for two races. That's a positive step in the right direction for a track that was relatively dormant this season. I don't know if the Cup Series is going to happen there next year. I would love for that to happen. It's a really great track. Maybe you're coming out of the short track on the schedule, but it just doesn't seem like things are indicating that that's going to be a possibility. Right. So, the stern bomb, I guess we should call it, for this past weekend is NASCAR is entertaining the idea of running a short oval either in L.A. Coliseum or in the – and this is something that you and I talked about months ago just as a random fever dream, I guess, but it seems like it has validity and it could possibly happen. You know, they're, they're definitely getting creative, that's for sure. So, I don't know. You know, IndyCar does a good job with running these street courses in parking lots and stuff like that. I think what they did is um, – Nashville a couple weeks ago was great, but NASCAR's built on ovals and short tracks, and if you can make a short track in the parking lot of the L.A. Coliseum, sign me up. I think it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, just try and see what happens. Sure, absolutely. A couple more news and notes. I think it's worth mentioning we didn't get it this last week. Darlington flying under the radar. They repaved turns one and two uh, just a couple weeks before the playoff race there, of course, to start off the playoff next weekend. And this just kind of, like, wasn't even talked about until it actually happened. Darlington's already a tricky enough track. And I'm intrigued by the fact that now you're going to have two ends of the racetrack that were already very, very different. Now they're going to be extremely different as we go there for the playoff, a relative unknown. Oh, by the way, no practice in qualifying either. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Just go out there and figure it out. So I, I'm assuming that's going to make turns one and two more speedy. Uh, the car is going to be able to carry a lot more speed through there just because it's newer asphalt. So now you're going to have one end of the track where I guess tire management isn't going to matter and one end where it really is. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what this Frankenstein Darlington Raceway looks like next weekend. Mm-hmm. Another story that came out just the other day, Landon Castle going to make his return to the Cup Series at both Daytona and Talladega running for Gaunt Brothers Racing in the 96 car. Landon Castle is a good, solid Cup Series driver. He takes care of equipment. Look, he's been up there at Super Speedway Racing before. I think this is a good move for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Yeah, I think you know the thing with the thing with Landon that I, I I really like is the fact that he always takes care he always takes care of his equipment. I think he's a solid race car driver, and and look, I, I mean the the Gaunt Brothers car it, it's not expected to go out there and and win races, but we've seen and we know that anytime um, you run at these super speedway tracks tracks that anything can happen. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he he tries to. Um, Dice it up a little bit this weekend. Absolutely. All right, now we're getting the most important conversation I think we've had the entire season. Now, it's funny that you brought this up because the other day I was thinking about, you know, the, the Cup Series and podcast, and I was like, you know, we haven't talked about our season score yet as far as our picks go. I didn't really think anything of it. I, didn't, I, I thought maybe you'd forgotten about what the score total was. I didn't even bother asking you. But you have been keeping up, and you have closed in on me to single digits now. Yeah, I've got it down. You're up 19 to 10. I, I picked Creed this past weekend to give me an additional point. Um, so I finally got it back down to single digits. Uh, we'd been, I think it was, let's see, one, two, three weeks in a row. We we completely missed on picks, but um, back on back on the right track in, in, in my spot anyways. So I came out swinging pretty hard at the early part of the season, but I don't know. I feel like you put together a pretty solid summer stretch here. I've had a decent stretch. I ain't gonna lie. So we'll see if we'll see if the picks this weekend can bring me back in even closer. Well, we'll see. Now you've got me like overthinking things, kind of similar to Tyler Reddick going into Daytona with an advantage. Now I'm almost kind of on the defensive. Like, oh man, I got to go with kind of safe picks here. You or you can really sneak up on me again. Yeah, because I'm just playing with house money at this point in time. Throw it at the dartboard and see what sticks and pick that. Uh-huh. With that, we'll go into our picks for Daytona, which, again, is the regular season finale for the Cup Series, not for the Xfinity Series. they got a couple more races to go before their playoffs start. So start off by Friday night, the Xfinity Series, and it's been a little – it's been – I guess you would say not surprises at the super speedways this season with Austin Cindric and then Jeff Burton winning because those guys are two guys that run well at the super speedways. So, do we the status quo or do we be a surprise winner come Friday night? Um, no, I don't think surprise winner. Um, but I'm going to go with Justin Haley. We know yeah. how the college cars work together. Um, we know how they run well at these super speedways. They've, they've got a little momentum rolling. So I think they're going to roll with it right through Daytona. And um, I'm going to roll with Justin Haley. Well, I'm going to keep it in the college camp, and I'm going to keep it with the momentum rolling. A 
J. Omeninger getting another win. And again, the Colin Clark is going to be up front. They're going to be working together. And hey, AJ's not won in a super speedway yet. I think that uh, happens this weekend. Yeah, it, he's he's. I think you could argue he's the hottest driver in the Xfinity series right now for sure. To Saturday night we go. The Coke Zero Sugar 400 wrapping up the Cup Series regular season. There are so many wild card picks that could stamp their ticket into the playoffs Saturday night. Do you go with one of the wild cards or you pick somebody? That's a little more of a usual suspect up front. I'm going with a wild card. Um, and and he's, he's ran up front at Super Speedways this year. He should have won Talladega. It's going to be a party for Matt DiBenedetto. Come oh, Saturday night, I I think he's going to get it done. I think you know. I, I he look. We don't know what his plans are for next year. We know he's not going to be you know in the the Cup Series with Penske or Wood Brothers. Um, you know we know how well. Like I said, he should have won Talladega earlier this year. And yep. you know I, I just I, I think it's going to be one of those. You know I was saying earlier that you know figure out what teams throw knockout blows. I think he's going to be one of them, and I think he's going to scoot into the playoffs. Well, and give credit to his team. The past two weeks at both the Indy Road Course and Michigan, they put themselves in position late in the race to at least be in the conversation to win. Now, of course, they've come up short, but, you know, I, maybe this crucial switch has really been a plus for Matt Benedetto. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's just too, too late unless they win this weekend, and that changes everything. Well, Call me vanilla if you want to, but I'm going to pick somebody that's really good at super speedways that's won there plenty of times. And how many times has he come close this year to winning races? i got to go with Denny Hamlin. I mean, he's going to be aggressive. Yeah, yeah he's fighting Larson for the uh, regular season points championship. I think he's got a win or nothing mindset going into this weekend. We know how good he is at Daytona. If if the pit stop debacle doesn't happen back in February, I think he wins another Daytona 500. I got to go with Denny Hamlin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, we know he's going to be a major factor. So, I mean, again, he's come so close. He's going to win before the season's over. I feel pretty confident in that, and I don't think there's any reason why he can't get it done Saturday night. Yep. So, all right. Well, 25 races down. One more to go in the regular season, and then we're off and running for the playoffs. I am super excited to see how all this plays out, and I can't wait to get Saturday night. I know. I hope. Uh, hopefully, the the weather will cooperate. We know how it is in Florida this time of year, but hopefully, you it cooperates. Know, I thought about not. I thought about waiting until like Friday to ask you about that because, of course, the weather can change so quickly at a place like Florida. But fingers crossed, we get it in Saturday night under the lights. Well, luckily, we have no tropical systems coming our way so it'll just be you know your typical summertime showers and storms so hopefully we can uh get it racing saturday night all right well that'll do it for the episode podcast again thank you so much for dealing with that a little different way of doing this weekend but we get it done when we can get it done and that's another one in the books for this week Mm-hmm. so for don't i'm tyler head thanks so much for listening to the street podcast we'll catch you next time